Welcome to a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you're listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Mark and Shizuka Modica. Mark and Shizuka are both faculty here at the Darden School of Business, and I recently connected with them to talk more about global courses here at the Darden School, specifically our global course offerings in Japan, South Korea, and Vietnam. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mark and Shizuka Modica. Mark Shizuka, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. All right, Mark, how's everything? How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful winter day. I'm looking out at the uh, the mountains and uh, enjoying this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you so so much for being here, Shizuka. Uh, how how are you doing? You having a great day? Yes, I am, because I finished my last class for the semester with another institution this morning, so I'm feeling good. Okay, well, congratulations, um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, Mark, I'd like to start with you and talk a little bit more uh, about your background. Tell us who you are and, and what do you do here at Darden? Well, my name is Mark Modica. I'm a senior lecturer here at Darden, and I have been since uh, 1998. My uh, major area of interest is negotiation and conflict transformation. I'm in the uh, leadership communication area, and um, I also have a passion for doing global courses, uh, courses that are taught in different places around the, the world. So that's kind of what I did. All right. Shizuka, uh, tell us more about you. Uh, who are you and what's your background? Okay, that's a big question that I still don't have an answer to. So <laughs> I don't know how to answer that really. But um, anyway, what I currently do is to uh, teach at three, primarily three different institutions, uh, leadership theory and also organizational behavior and also um, teach how people make meaning in their work. And my career sort of has been, or had been, in higher education administration for the first 20 years. And I switched over from the higher ed administration to the faculty side when I finished my PhD at the University of Virginia. So. That's who I am. All right. I will note a little bit of podcast history. This is the first husband and wife interview we've ever had here on the podcast. Um, Mark, how did you and Shizuka meet? We met a long time ago when I was uh, a student in Japan, and she was a student in Japan. She, Shizuka was born, in, well, she was born and raised in Japan, and we met in Kyoto. So we met there, got married. Then there was a bunch of education and returning to Japan um, in what year was that? 1988 to a place called the International University of Japan, which is a graduate school of international management and international relations. And that's where I met all the Darden people that uh, introduced me to Darden and was the reason we transitioned here in uh, 98. Shizuka started out in administration and then decided to retool before we uh, got back to the States. 
Yeah, Shizuka, I was really struck by your story. Uh, it's not easy to move from administration uh, to faculty. How did you how did you make that change? Obviously, a PhD was part of that, but how did you decide that it was the change that you wanted to make? I even didn't know that I wanted to make that transition. It just happened. So that's a mystery of life, right? But I was completely taken by this uh, sacred space in higher education, so-called learning space. So as an uh, international education administrator, I was completely sold for this sacred space where higher education can offer to students and also faculty. And I delighted in assisting faculty members deliver their best classrooms and all of that. But as I went through, oh, let me back up. And I was interested in high-performing institutions or high-performing colleges and universities. So and when I did my master's, um, I just didn't get enough of it. So I decided to pursue a PhD on high-performing institutions. And when you focus on high-performing institutions, <laughs> it seems that there are lots of people inside them, right? So I had to go down from the institutional level down to individual psychology of high-performance. So that's where I started to learn about high performance and its connection to meaning making. And so I just did my PhD on how people construct meaning in their work. And after the fact that I finished my PhD, I just, just started to uh, teach. <laughs> so it wasn't even, you know, going to the national or international market to become a faculty. So life has a very mysterious, mysterious, you know, twist to it, even you without asking for it. That's a great story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, Mark, uh, you mentioned a little bit about your areas of interest. Uh, you've helped out with global courses. Are there any courses that you're teaching currently or you've recently taught that you would want to share here? Oh, well, Shizuka and I teach a global course in South Korea. We teach one in Japan, and I teach one in uh, Vietnam currently. I've done others in Sweden and Sri Lanka and India and China, etc. But those are the ones we're working on now. Um, three different locations, um, three different opportunities to explore with the students um, a variety of topics. So uh, in Vietnam, it's sort of the relationship between the complicated relationship between Vietnam, China, and the United States, particularly around supply chain and, you know, uh, the changing economy in, in Vietnam. In South Korea, it's this amazing story of a country that has gotten so much visibility in the last five, 10 years with its uh, soft power efforts. And um, its economy is just booming in a, in a very interesting way. Um, and of course, Japan, we're very familiar with that. And our course there focuses on 
uh, tradition meets innovation. It's that sort of the mystery of how Japan can be so, in some respects, well, in in every respect, very traditional, in some respects, rather backward, and yet in other respects, absolutely unbelievably innovative and, and perfectionist in what it produces. So those are the the three areas. She's good. Do you have any comments on on the courses we teach? Um, yes, and we can spend hours on the end on the topic, <laughs> but uh, but it's um, from my personal perspective. All these global courses are not really about one particular culture or country, but it's more like expanding your perspectives to the unknown and how to figure out who you are <laughs> like, in in new environment and how to respond to new environment as a global leader. So that's why I'm really fascinated to experience with students in a different country how we perceive even the same event and um Yes, incidents. And it's so delightful to be with our students and see how they respond, react, and we get to discuss <laughs> how they are taking it in or have any resistance to any of the experiences. And all these things, I think, uh, challenges your assumptions that we never get to even become aware of that we are having these assumptions until you had something jarring. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I love these global courses. Well, if it's okay uh, with, with y'all, I'd like to talk a little bit about each of the courses that uh, Mark just mentioned, uh, Vietnam, South Korea, and Japan. And Mark, um, is it okay if we start with Vietnam? Is that all right? Does that feel like well, an okay place? To start? Sure, it would be. It would be fabulous. And, and yet, at the same time, I want to add something to what Shizuka said, which is these are short courses, and although they have these foci, right, as I described them before, really each one of them uh, functions, as Shizuka explained, as a as a opportunity to reflect on oneself and and one's own experiences and. The metaphor that we often use is um, the distant mirror. That it's this is something that you hold at a distance that allows you to to reflect back on your own assumptions and sort of uh, you know presumptions about the way business is done. With Vietnam, obviously the interest there is to see a to reflect on a market economy functioning under the guidance of the Communist Party. Um, the, the party there is really rather indifferent to any specific philosophical take on economics. And I would say maybe difficult to imagine it as a truly communist party, but they, they have a... Um, an interest in 
guiding society, guiding the economics and retaining uh, their ability and power to guide. So it's really interesting to see how decisions are made around free markets and uh, economic control. So it's really fascinating. One of our visits is to a, a company called Viatel, which is one of their big telecom companies. They have three, all of them controlled by the government. And the one we visit is uh, controlled by the Ministry of Defense. And it's really quite an unusual visit. You come into the room and every all the floor is laid out very formally. The uh, You sit facing each other in this conference room, everyone with a nameplate and a microphone. They refer to our delegation and your delegation. They have a bust of uh, Ho Chi Minh at the end of the room and a big flag. And it's... Uh, it's quite an interesting visit uh, to to sort of ask questions and see how they manage answering in ways that are politically appropriate and uh, of interest to the students. So that's just an example, the one in Vietnam. We visit the port there. We visit a uh, um, an electric car manufacturer called Vinfast that is setting up shop in North Carolina very soon. So it's a variety of, of experiences. We spend the days together on um, sort of scheduled meets, both, um, I don't think you can make a distinction, but cultural and business. And then evenings are free, and we encourage the students to explore on their own, but still keeping a mind toward that reflective attitude, going to places they might not usually go to, meeting people they might not usually see. So that's Vietnam. I, we're we're in Hanoi for about half of the program, and we're in Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon for the other half. And so there's a plenty to see, plenty to do. And my great joy is to travel with a group of very, very bright people who ask questions that I may never have imagined to ask. So these courses really offer an opportunity to have an experience that you can't have anywhere else. It's my favorite way, one of my favorite ways to explore the world is with one of these garden uh, worldwide courses. So Shizuka, do you, do you have a favorite uh, memory or experience from, from one of the global courses, something uh, that, that stands out to you? Okay, um, everything, I guess. However, I, um, I'm i a K-drama fan, and I have become also a K-pop fan. So the intersection between what I know about South Korea and what I can confirm on-site have been very personally fascinating to me. And also learning um, before we go, actually, this is sort of the part of the structure for all the global courses of the 10 different topics about the country. And students do group work to prepare a briefing book, briefing report on one, one uh, topic. And before we go to that specific country, people learn, we learn about certain things, fundamentals of the society or a country. 
right? So those things that we learn beforehand can be proven true or contradictory or who knows? So that part of learning is always fun, even if it's second time or third time or, you know, my native country of Japan. So I always find something new wherever I go. So that has been a tremendous joy. And just I do that not by myself, but with other people. And you could see how students are discovering something new about themselves and about different countries and how they do businesses. And again, you know, bringing out their assumptions that they were not aware of. So that's really building your capacity of resilience as a leader. So I will stop here. Mark wants to say something. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. I just want to to add to what you're saying. Uh, Shizuka and I always um, refer to our group, right? Us, the students, the people on the ground that we work with as a community of inquiry rather than just the class, right? And this pretty much fits the Darden model, but it, it's a, a, an in-situ case where we're actually inside the case itself. And uh, so the questions that we explore may not really have decisive or conclusive answers, but it's examining the world through this multiplicity of lenses and with the inside this community of inquiry that's so much fun. Now, the thing is, Shizuka knows a lot about Japan. And I lived there for 15 years, so I know something about it. The trick there is when students ask us questions, uh, sometimes we're tempted to answer. And you need to resist that temptation because my interpretation, or Shizuka's, is not really the point. The point is exploring the topic. When we go to a new place, like the first time I went to Vietnam, I didn't have that problem. I knew nothing more than the students. And it actually works to a sort of advantage of just being able to, you know, look each other in the eye and go, what do you make of this? Have you ever seen this before? How would you interpret that? So it's, it's, uh, um, being knowledgeable is helpful, but also being ignorant can be very helpful as well in this work. What, yeah, what, what we call in contemporary uh, study area, it's a don't know mind, right? But as we build our expertise as a business person or a leader or CEO of a company, we become know-it-all person. <laughs> but that's a dangerous place to be. But, but I think without really um, different experience, we tend to forget this. So I think global courses, they all try to bring in that don't know mind. So that's what I really like about it. And going back to your original question of what I do like about South Korea, and literally I'm fascinated with their... Um, government business uh, relationships because South Korea has done a tremendous 
um, work to promote their economy and their national products, you know, starting with K-pop, K-drama, and also bringing back all the brain drain from uh, the old days back into their country so that they will have sufficient talent to maintain their you know, economic development. So I am truly fascinated about their partnership between the government and businesses. So, yeah. Mark, tell us a little bit more about what the South Korea course looks like in terms of companies you visit, experiences that the students have. Oh, Shizuka, can you help me with this? One of my favorite places to go in any country is the port. I always try to work a port in because it gives you such a great perspective on the economy, on the functioning of the government uh, and its relationship to the economy, uh, its management style. So we we go to the port in Busan. The two cities we visit in South Korea are Seoul, obviously, and Busan, which is the, the southern big port city. Uh, also in Busan, we visit um, a company called Kisswire, which has a fascinating story. Uh, as you know, the Japanese were overrunning South, all of Korea for quite a while and were finally forced out in 1945 at the end of the war. That's the year that this company was started by uh, uh, a Korean family, actually, and it's still owned by this. They produce cable and wire. I think it's 80% of the wire in radial tires all around the world comes from their factories. They produce cables that are uh, hold up bridges that you have undoubtedly crossed over. Uh, and they are a family that's uh, very philanthropic and community minded. It's a great example of um, the Korean sort of attitude toward being responsible, not just in the financial way, but in the social way as well. Um, it's so it's a great case study in uh, in stakeholder, you know, sort of management. Where else do we go? She's a bit. Yes, and I would like to just tag on to that Kisswire visit. And when you go to South Korea or Asian countries, you really don't see um, company representatives talking about business models. This is the business model that we use. And this is the profit margin that we have. They really don't talk about those things up front. So for our MBA students, it's that itself is a shock. And in terms of communicating their businesses to the external world is so different. So that, is, that itself is a fascinating visit. But at the same time, we have lots of Darden alumni in South Korea too, right, across the globe. And we invite them to talk with us. And then they know how Western businesses operate. So they give us the information that we are looking for, their business models and business strategy and, and how to maximize the profit, right? So that type of contrast and having different people interact with us in a different country has been tremendous learning opportunities, at least 
for me and for our students. Okay. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like there's also time for K-pop on, on this uh, trip as well. Oh, yes, we do. We do have, <laughs> we have um, representative uh, sort of entertainment agency representative talk to us. And uh, that was uh, eye-opening. And we also had a K-pop dancing lesson <laughs> that we, yeah, we tremendously enjoyed. And, of course, we had lots of, you know, barbecue, Korean barbecue lunches and stuff like that. So, yeah, there is a mixture of cultural experiences and also business, you know, exposure. Yeah. We also had the speaker from the Central Bank uh, as one of our opening speakers that was actually introduced to us um, through uh, uh, connections uh, at Darden and at UVA. Um, but he is the former ambassador from South Korea to the United States. So very knowledgeable, very highly placed guy. And the next year he had one of the uh, uh, people that he works with, a, a woman not young, but not old, um, who got her MBA in the United States and uh, wicked smart, uh, who uh, met with the students. So we have a variety of uh, speakers who are Korean or Japanese or Vietnamese, who are expats working in the country, who are um, people who are born and raised in the country and left and have gone back or whose parents had left and now they're going back. So it's a really interesting combination of perspectives, right? The foreign perspective, the domestic perspective, the bicultural perspective. We Actually, we had a speaker in, um, in Vietnam who was introduced by one of the EMBA students uh, and they had become acquainted because each of them had been a presidential fellow at the White House at one point in their careers. Our student was a retired brigadier um, general in the American Army, and she's retooling at Darden for uh, her new career. But this guy was amazing. He he was older. He is older. He's going to be speaking with us again in February in a couple of weeks. Um, he left Vietnam as a kid at the age of 15, on a boat as a refugee um, and floated around off the coast of Malaysia until he was finally rescued, ended up in the United States and got a, a parent and quite an education and became a very, very wealthy venture capitalist who then decided to return to Vietnam and uh, invest there and start up uh, social enterprises. He runs a he funds and operates at school, a not-for-profit um, for children in Vietnam. Very, very interesting guy. So uh, that's an example of the sort of diversity we we look for in our speaker. Yeah. One of the things, before we talk about the Japan course, one of the things I just want to underscore for listeners, I know I've said trip inadvertently a couple times, but these are not trips. These are very much courses. And I think it's an important distinction for people uh, to to know, I know Mark. That's something that you and I have talked about. Um, any perspective you'd like to offer on this distinction between uh, 
this is a course, not a trip. This is this is a deeper dive, and it's it's intellectually engaging as it should be at every step along the way. Um, as I said before, being with a community of inquiry like this really allows you to, you know, in in nuclear physics, in particle physics, how do they figure out what's going on inside the atom? Well, they shoot particles at each other from all of these different directions and see how they bounce off each other, you know, metaphorically. And through a collection of all of those, you start to get an idea of what the atom looks like or what what subatomic particles look like. This, this experience is focused on that kind of learning in situ. Just as an aside, <clears throat> Shizuka and I have become disinclined to taking trips in our free time and like to try to recreate some of this when we are traveling on our own. For example, when we were in Myanmar, well, I don't know how many years ago, more than a decade maybe, we called up the embassy there and arranged for some company visits there. Uh, met the guy at the embassy who set us up with a car, went to talk to somebody who was obviously at some point in the CIA who gave us a political perspective, met the chief marketing officer at uh, Coca-Cola, which had just moved their operation there 18 months prior. Um, and just as an anecdote, I was talking to the guy at the consulate in uh, an open cafeteria, cafe area, and suddenly this woman comes walking toward me from a distance looking and sort of tilting her head and saying, Professor Modica, is that you, Professor Modica? And I looked up and it's a former, you know, it's a Darden alum, former student. And I recognized her immediately. And I said, so what are you doing here? And she says, well, I'm uh, arranging an art exhibit in New York with the Rockefeller Foundation. And I was like, oh my God, what, what a world we live in. And then she looks at my, you know, the Constantine. She says, do you two know each other? And she knows him because she stays at his place in Bangkok when he was stationed there. So it was one of these little small world run-ins. But the point of the story is, instead of just going and seeing the pagodas in, in Myanmar, which it's obviously we do, I kind of love to dig down and put myself in places where I'm completely out of my water. And that's what these courses do. Um, and, and they do a good job of it. All right. Well, let's talk about the Japan global course. Uh, Shizuka, um, would you like to share a little bit about what this course uh, is about? What what students do uh, when they're in Japan? Well, well, the 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 main themes are the same across the global courses as we have discussed. But for Japan course, we uh, start out in Tokyo for a couple of days, few days, three four days, I guess, and then we transit to Kyoto. But on the way down to Kyoto, we have a day trip in Nagoya. And as you know, Nagoya is a mecca of automakers. So Toyota headquarters and factories are there. And if we are lucky, we get to visit Toyota factory to see Kanban system you know, right there. 
And then we go down to Kyoto and spend a couple of days there. But uh, covering three cities um, in six, seven days is a, a very <laughs> tough task. And let alone to say we understand Japan or Japanese businesses. So we have a very challenging task as our uh, curriculum designers, you know, and so that's from faculty perspective, we struggle what to present. I'm sure that all, you know, faculty members who lead global courses feel that way. What is the right mix to present to students? to organize their experiences. But we try our best to mix different cultural and business and uh, business activities. So, but in recent years, we started to take the students out of the city, uh, outside of Kyoto city, so that they could see what else is going on. So that's, that's, yeah. And what do you think, Mark? Is Yeah, I think that's been a real addition to the curriculum. Um, whenever people are traveling to Japan and they ask me, what should I, what should I do? I, my recommendation is always three things. You should see Tokyo and understand that sort of, you know, the Blade Runner experience of Tokyo. You should see Kyoto because it's the old traditional when everybody thinks about, you know, traditional Japan, Kyoto is the center of all of that. And you should go to the country because the countryside is really where the deep values of Japanese society come from. And I probably would argue that's true in any country, right? Because we sort of grew out of the agricultural, you know, the move from hunter-gatherer to, to agriculture. So, um, See, going to Keihoku, this this older part of uh, the northern part of Kyoto Prefecture, where it's uh, lumber and rice, uh, is is really eye opening for the students. So, you know, getting that getting that balance and getting an appreciation that we're we're just sort of seeing the elements that put the country together, that put Japan together, and. Uh, we encourage people and actually believe that people will go back to these locations because they've gotten a taste that, you know, maybe they want to satiate a little bit more. And, and also, we do our best to organize small group activities where, um, you know, four to five students on their own will get from the hotel to, you know, specified site of small businesses so that they can have some intimate conversations. And that way they could actually feel the city and being able to move <laughs> on their own from one place to another and experience, you know, small business or some other cultural activities on their own without faculty's supervision. So, and we debrief on their experiences. And it seems that students love that small you know, activity. So, Yeah, I started doing that years ago, uh, many, many years ago in India, where you know it was sort of go and meet these people in this location. And the students would say, well, how do I get there? And I said, I don't know. Tell me when you get back. 
right? And so they have to figure all that off on, on their own. I had a, a, a group of three come back and were debriefing, and they said the visit was interesting, but coming back was even more interesting. We ran into a group that was uh, going to a wedding party, and they invited us along. So, you know, they had of their own sort of, uh, you know, serendipity. It had an absolutely fabulous experience that no one could have designed for them, right? So the other thing we do is to keep track of all this is we have what we call the last thought of the day exercise. Do you want to describe that, Shizuka? Go ahead, go ahead. So at the end of the day, you enter on our uh, website, the Canvas, where we keep track of all the classes in, in the garden. And they enter in, what is it, about a paragraph or maybe a paragraph or two? Yeah. Up and to we, 150 words, they yeah, say. <laughs> and I, I think they might go over that sometimes. But then um, their fellow classmates can read that. And she's going to make a point. The faculty always make a point on any one of these courses to uh, read those in the morning before the, the daily debrief. So we can keep track of where people's thinking is, different threads that people are pursuing, um, and to kind of keep the finger on the pulse of, of the group. So that's an important part of the curriculum. And so people have a responsibility to add to each other's discovery list on a daily basis. Well, thank you for sharing all of these details. I, I think these courses are so great to hear about. I mean, they're one of a kind experiences. You cannot go and travel to these countries and just do this uh, as a tourist um, there. And gosh, what I mean, what an incredible experience to have as, a, as an MBA student. Um, we've talked a lot about you know the impact of these courses, what you're trying to do with these courses. Um, but uh, Mark Shizuka, how, how do you see this you know adding to the Darden experience? So Shizuka, um, can I start with you? Is that all right? How do you see this adding to the overall MBA experience? Because obviously these global courses, you know, full-time MBA students participate in them, part-time students uh, do as well. Executive MBA students actually have required a global residency or global residencies, depending upon the format. So this is very much a part of, of the DART, DART experience for, for many of our students. Yes. And the biggest, I think, is which we haven't spoken about is uh, networking among students. And they form really strong bonds through these courses. And that networking, uh, yeah, effect, it, they, they're gonna carry throughout their life beyond, you know, discarded. So, and one of the things that I tell all my students are like, you will be calling on each other when something goes wrong at work after Darden or after you know graduation. So they do form strong bonds in getting to know each other, strengths and weaknesses, positive and negatives, and their talents, everything throughout uh, these courses by working together before they go, you know, as a group a small group, and then on site through lots of, you know, social socialization. If you know what I mean by drinking or eating together and doing stuff together 24-7, right? So 
that's, I think, the biggest uh, contribution of this particular uh, yeah, course, Global Residencies. Yeah, so in that respect, it's like Darden is every day, except turned up a little bit higher because you're living with each other. You're you're seeing, you're being exposed to new things together. So it's just a, a sort of a, the Darden experience on uh, steroids, as the old saying goes. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is that, you know, the students will take a global economics course and have all of these different models that, you know, talk about the demographic intersection with, you know, the economic development. But here you're, you're seeing it right in situ and you're getting to ask questions about all those things we've learned in class. And uh, you're starting to see how it plays out differently in different places. I think I was telling you, uh, Brett, the other day that the metaphor is sort of like a biological metaphor. If you look at life uh, around the, the globe, uh, you see amoeba, you see tropical plants, you see predatory animals, you see all sorts of different manifestations of life. And they all look very, very different from the outside. But on the inside, they're all solving the same problems, right? They're trying to find a metabolite, you know? They're trying to control the ionic concentration across a membrane, right? How much water do you need and how much is too much? They're trying to figure out how to procreate, et cetera, et cetera. And business is like that. We're solving the same problems in Vietnam that we are in Sweden and that we are in you know, Chicago, but we're doing it in really different ways. We're accumulating capital in different ways. We're maintaining social welfare of the working people in different ways. You know, it's just, there are a lot of choices to make about how you want to work together to create and distribute value, which is really my interest in negotiation. You know, the, the whole field of negotiation, the whole activity of negotiation is simply the creation of value and then the decision as to how to distribute it, right? And that's what people are doing when they get together. And we do it in very different ways, depending upon the history, the context, the culture, whatever. And that's yeah. that's an amazing opportunity. Shizuka? Yes, and just to piggyback on it, is is truly to become a global leader, so to speak, is to become an authentic, you know, authentic self without a fixated center. And you should be able to pivot in different circumstances, but you cannot lose yourself. So Brett, you asked us who are we? Who am I? Right? You gotta know that. But you yourself evolve over time. So keeping a good assessment or knowing yourself very well and be authentic in any circumstances and become effective. That's what I'm I'm hoping the students will think about <laughs> through these global courses. Yeah, I heard a podcast, as a matter of fact, just this morning, um, and the scholar and researcher was talking about leadership, and he said that oftentimes we pick our leaders, uh, particularly in the Western world, based on their sort of self-confidence and assuredness, and, and he said that this is actually not the kind of leader that performs the best. 
you know, the, the leader who performs the best is the one who is humble and not so self-assured and who is questioning and has that, what do you call it? Did you say earlier, she's a good, the, the mind? But don't you, know mind? Yes, don't know mind. And, and uh, this, the don't know mind is a really important <laughs> thing. And, and this, this is helpful because uh, it shows you that nobody knows. Right. Especially with this generative AI and its impact on businesses and on our daily life, I just don't think we know what's going to happen. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yes. Well, um, Mark, I wonder, what are you looking forward to in the months ahead? Are you working on anything right now or looking forward to anything in particular? I'm looking forward to this course in Vietnam. I have a course coming up in Q4 of the second year, quarter four, um, on conflict transformation, which I get a lot of uh, satisfaction out of, you know, exploring that topic with uh, Darden students. You know, the difference between reacting to conflict and responding, right? And what our choices are and how we can think about them. Then um, Shizuka and I will spend some time in the summer in Japan and our course in South Korea. And then we'll be back teaching a course in the fall in, uh, in Japan. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm, the adventure continues. How about for you, Shizuka? Uh, anything in particular you're looking forward to? Yes, um, among all those global courses and other courses that I will be teaching, I am excited to be trained as an online game facilitator because I am not a, a gamer or an online, you know, all those game person. And as part of the courses that I'm teaching, I am being trained to become a facilitator. So that's a big unknown for me. And I'm excited about that. And one last thing, we are uh, we have two students that we are taking on a, a global course to Costa Rica this summer. And those are our two grandchildren. Okay, yeah. So we like to take them. We do the same thing with them that we do with the, the Darden students, you know, to go and see the uh, eclipse in eastern Oregon or the whales in uh, Digby Bay in Canada. Or We, we, we like to, to get them out into the planet as well. Well, that, they sound like very fortunate people to get to do those kinds of things. So that is awesome. Uh, well, last question uh, for the two of you. Thank you so much for everything that you shared here. I've, I've really enjoyed hearing about all the global courses and the incredible places starting students have an opportunity to travel to. Uh, Shizuka, um, can we come to you with this question first? Um, you know, what's a piece of advice you would have for our listeners? Uh, we have a number of prospective students who listen to this podcast thinking about their own MBA journeys, uh, something that you would encourage them to, to think about or consider. You ask big questions. <laughs> wow. Um, um, this is something that I just said to my students this morning as a closure of a course. 
and you kind of get um, whatever that you put into a course or a program. So just uh, be aware of that. Whatever that you put into Darden experience, you're going to get a return. But if you don't put whatever that you need to or want to, you won't get anything out of it. So I just want uh, every student who comes to Darden to be fully engaged with every experience and opportunity that they may encounter, both good and bad. I think that's great advice. It's come up more than one time on the podcast. The more you put in, the more you get out uh, of the yeah. experience. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. All right, Mark, a uh, word of advice for our listeners. Uh, for those listeners who are looking into um, getting an MBA or furthering their, their education at, at Darden, I would say make sure you, you understand how we at Darden approach learning uh, because if, if you're looking to be sort of, what's the word? I don't want to overdo it, force-fed or, you know, sort of told what to think and where to go and how to grow. Um, we're, this is not the right place for those people. But if you are really ready to engage with the community of learning we have here, both the faculty, the students, and frankly, the staff as well, this is a, just an absolutely wonderful place. I'm so happy that I landed here, that we landed here in 1998. Um, we've seen a lot of, and Shizuka and I saw a lot of great teaching when we were in Japan because we had faculty from all over the world, Harvard, uh, here at Darden, London Business School. Shizuka was exposed to some really great faculty when she did her master's at Harvard. Uh, and we've seen the people here teach uh, and, and learned so much from them. Uh, this is a truly a remarkable place. And um, if you decide that you want to be a part of it, um, it's a great growth experience, regardless of how old you are. Well, Mark, Shizuka, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for sharing your time and your perspective and experiences with us today. It's been, it's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a joy. Yes. Thank you for your great questions. And now it's my interview with Mark and Shizuka Modica, two faculty members here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. You can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.